2 Kings chapter 3, and I'm actually going to begin at verse number 16. Um, I'm going to kind of cut to the chase because I have a little bit of reading to do here, but I'm going to get to the reading and then we'll kind of fill in some gaps if that's all right. And uh, I, I, I know that we usually don't make a big habit of this, but when people cross great big humongous gargantuous big milestones like this I have to say to sister Brandy <laughs> happy birthday amen happy birthday several folks got together last night and celebrated her 30th birthday plus 20 plus 20 yeah, but your family's been lying all week, so we're all just going to repent. With that said, we have communion tonight. <laughs> and although tonight is not New Year's Eve, nor is it Passover, it's still going to be a special night in this church. Amen. We're going to be together. And uh, I just invite you to come tonight and be a part of it. If you don't usually make it a habit to be here for pre-service prayer, I would highly recommend that tonight for communion night to be sure that your heart is right with the Lord. And, uh, of course, we want that every day. I, uh, my approach to communion, and, of course, I'm not preaching on communion today, but my, my approach to communion has always been that I want my heart to be in the condition that it's going to be in when I stand before the Lord. In other words, I want, I want to be as pure when I take that cup as I want to be when I stand before him face to face. And the scripture said that we drink of that cup unworthily if we don't approach it like that. So be preparing your heart today. For those of you that are not familiar uh, with foot washing service, that is not something that we started, although it may sound odd for people that are not used to that kind of thing, but the reason why we still do it in this church is because Jesus did it. Jesus washed his disciples' feet. There's a lot of people getting away from it. They really are. But Jesus washed his disciples' feet, and he made some pretty strong statements. He said, if you don't wash one another's feet, then you have no part with me. So we're, we don't just do this because it grosses people out and we like to watch them squirm a little bit. We do it because Jesus taught us to take up the towel. And when you wash your brother's feet and your sister's feet, you can't have animosity in your heart. So we will prepare our hearts for the blood and the body. And we will prepare our hearts tonight uh, to wash our brother and sister's feet. Thankfully, the brothers wash in one place and the sisters in the other, so you have privacy. But it's going to be amazing what God's going to do here tonight. Uh, I say all the time, you don't ever want to miss this service. Unfortunately, we missed it on the night. We usually do it, but we're not missing the service. So it's going to happen tonight. Amen? All right, 2 Kings chapter 3. Verse number 16. Verse number 16. If you're there, say amen. If you're not there, I can ramble for 10 more minutes. And we'll get you there. And he said, thus saith the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. For thus saith the Lord, you shall not see wind, neither shall you see rain. Yet that valley shall be filled with water that ye may drink, both you and your cattle and your beasts. Now, this sounds odd, but I'm, I'm going to fill in the blanks for you in just a minute. He said, and this is but a light thing. I hope to get that part in your spirit before we leave here today. This is but a light thing. Somebody say, that's easy for the Lord. He will deliver the Moabites also into your hand. And you shall smite every fenced city and every choice city 
and shall fell every good tree and stop all wells of water and mar every good piece of land with stones. And it came to pass in the morning when the meat offering was offered that, behold, there came water by the way of Edom and the country was filled with water. And when all the Moabites heard that the kings were come up to fight against them, they gathered all that were able to put on armor and upward, and they stood in the border. And they rose up early in the morning. Watch this now. And the sun was just in the right angle to shine on the water that had miraculously filled the valley. And the scripture said that from where the Moabites were standing, so from this perspective, we're going to say where the enemy was looking. The enemy was looking over the valley, but the enemy didn't know they were looking at something God had done. But when they looked into that valley, they assumed the way the sun was shining. I know who controls the sun. But the sun that morning was just right from the enemy's perspective that it appeared unto them that the Moabites saw the water on the other side and it looked like red blood. And they said, they said, this is blood. The kings are surely slain. They have smitten one another. Now, therefore, Moab, and you can just see this brave soldier stand. Now, Moab, to the spoil. They have slain each other, it's over, and we are going to destroy. But when they came to the camp of Israel, the Israelites rose up, and they smote the Moabites so that they fled before them, but they went forward smiting the Moabites, even their countries. Now, you can get a general idea of what's going on here today, but I'm just going to preach to this church on this Sunday morning. If you'll help me today, I'm going to preach God is up to something. God is up to something. Amen. Let's give God praise this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for how you're working. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. Lord, we will not fear. We will not be afraid, for thou art with us. Lord, your rod and your staff, they comfort us this morning. You prepare a table for us in the presence of our enemies. You are strong and you are mighty and no weapon formed against your church is ever going to prosper. We thank you for your word today. We bless you, great God. We bless you, great God. Amen. Tell your neighbor this morning, God is up to something. And may the Lord richly bless you and you may be seated. I'm going to sound like a spoiled, rotten brat and I'm going to sound like I'm repeating myself. But I'm so glad to be in this building today. There's just something about being at home. You know, it's like when you go stay with family, you know you're comfortable. But when you walk in the front door of your house, it feels good. I'm glad to be in this house this morning, aren't you? Amen. So we have, we have three kings that are frustrated and essentially, the Moabites are rebelling against Israel. And because of the way that they have rebelled against them, and I'm going to give you the really short version of the prelude to this, this narrative, but the Moabites have blocked them off. They have cut them off. They have stopped them. And so now, uh, Israel is in a very difficult place. They have been cut off from everything that they need to be sustained and they're they don't have water for themselves much less for their cattle and for their beasts and so they start doing what you and I would do and they're kind of murmuring a little bit about what are we going to do the kings of Israel came together and they're like how how are we going to exist and what what in the world's going to happen here and there's a man that you've if you've been around for very long, you've heard his name. It's a very strange name that you don't forget easy, but there's some cool stories about this guy. His name's Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat speaks up and he says, you know what I think we need? He said, you all think we need water. 
but I think we need a word. And they said, well, how are we going to get a word when we don't have a prophet? And he said, well, I know a prophet. And his name is Elijah. And Elijah will come to us. Now, I know some folks came here this morning thinking that you're dry, so you need a drink. But I'm going to tell you what you really need. You need a word. You need a word in your spirit. You need a word that will come to you. You need a word that will put you in a, in a place that you may not even understand. But I, I want to just kind of cut to the chase this morning and tell you that when you have a word in your spirit, you don't have to understand what God's doing to know that he's up to something. When you've got a word in your spirit, you don't have to understand every T that's crossed and every I that's dotted and why God is moving you into dimensions that you're being moved into. But I want to remind somebody in this place this morning that even when you can't see it, he's working. And even when you can't feel it, he's working. And when you cannot see his hand, he is working. And when you cannot understand what he's doing, you can always trust his heart. I'm preaching to somebody that knows this morning all things work together for the good of them who love God and are the called according to his purpose. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We are the called according to his purpose. Somebody say, not my purpose. I'm called according to his purpose. But his purpose sometimes feels like I'm out of alignment with something. And I, I, I don't quite understand because God's been asking me to do some things that don't make sense to me. But I'm telling you this morning, I'm old-fashioned enough to believe that there is something that happens. And I can't explain it fully. But there's something that happens in the supernatural that regardless of what you're facing in the flesh and regardless of what your circumstance looks like, a word from God changes everything. The word from God came before the circumstance changed. I'm not so much today worried about God changing the circumstance. I want God to speak a word into my circumstance. I don't have to see the finished work to know that he's working. I don't have to see the job done to know that God is for me. I wish somebody would stand up with a fight in your spirit this morning and say, God, I still trust you. I haven't seen the finished work, but I know you're working. I know it's coming. So Jehoshaphat says, let, let, let's reach out and see if we can't get a hold of Elijah because Elijah... Elijah's going to bring a word. And so the word of the Lord said that Elisha came and he said unto the kings in verse 13, he said, what do I have to do with you? Get thee to the prophets of thy father and to the prophets of thy mother. And the kings of Israel said unto him, no, for the Lord hath called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. And Elisha said, as the Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look down toward thee nor see thee. In other words, he said, I'm not here because I like you. I'm here because Jehoshaphat said, we need a word. He said, I wouldn't have anything to do with these Samaritans. if it was. He's the only one I like. And because I like him, I'm here. Now, I don't have time to go deep on this, but I want to tell you something. When you get desperate for a word, God has a way of reaching things that you couldn't have reached on your own. God has a way of bringing the right people at the right time with the right word for the right circumstance. You don't have to believe what I'm telling you, but I'm telling you what I know. God has a way. God has a way of getting a prophet to stand there. I had no intention of being here. 
but God sent the right man at the right time and because of that I'm here you don't have to believe this this morning it's not about the stars lining up it's not about the planets lining up it's about somebody that said I'm desperate and I need a word and God can get a word to you in the most desperate place when you thought a word couldn't find you God will get a word to you I, I was thinking just the other day about some things, you know, the day-to-day grind of ministry has changed a lot over the last few years. There were things that used to be pretty normal, you know, we spent a lot of time in hospitals and a lot of time nursing homes and things like that, just visiting with people, and that's changed tremendously. As a matter of fact, I went for a year and a half. One year and six months from one hospital visit to the next. And we were faced with some circumstances that were out of our control. And I I actually recalled uh, one night Brother Sean King had called. This was several, several years ago. This was like pre-vid. And he called one of the babies. I don't even remember which one it was. You may Brother Sean, remember, but the family asked for me to come up and pray for one of the babies that they were admitting to the hospital, and I got in through all the doors and pushed the buttons and walked through and nodded at nurses and doctors, and I got back to the floor where we're supposed to go, and this lady looks at me, and she said, how'd you get in here? I said, I walked in, (laughs) and she said, well, you're not supposed to be in here. I said, I'm a pastor. She said, okay. And like she was impressed. And she said, who are you here to see? And I told her I was here. And she said, well, you can't be in here. And I said, what do you mean? I can't. I've, I've done this for 20 years. I can't be in here. She said, yeah, but the flu's going around. I'm like, I know that just came out this year. It's the first time. <laughs> she said, we've said no. So. We followed all the protocols, and Brother King just came out to me, which is good, because whatever I had, he carried back in. <laughs> but he, he came out to me. And so I couldn't, I, I couldn't get to the room. They had a baby that was sick with a fever. I couldn't get there for a year and a half. If these precious church people, man, we, we had it bad, I know. Uh, a couple folks were really in in bad shape, and uh, the only uh, the only thing that we knew to do was just pray. Now I like I like James because James says to lay hands on the sick. I like I like that, and that's why video church is killing us because it's really hard for me to lay hands on people through a screen. But I still believe in it. But what, I, what I'm saying to you is there are times when things are ideal. And we can get in and we can pray and we can lay hands on people. But I want to tell you what else I believe in. I believe in daddies that have faith. Walking out and saying, Pastor, I understand that you can't get in. But we're going to pray. And we joined hands and prayed. And he walked back into the room that I couldn't get. See, some, some of you are going to get what I'm preaching right here. I said, the daddy walked back in the room that I couldn't get to. God has a way of lying. I know you don't think he can get to it. I know you don't think God can work it out. Oh, I feel like telling somebody this morning. God can get to places that we can't get to. And God can get a word in places we can't get a word. You know, I, I think sometimes if I acted like some of these prophets and preachers in the Bible, everybody would hate me. More, more people. More people. And I, I was reading this, and Jehoshaphat says, now this is not King James Version, but Jehoshaphat says, I don't even like you. I'm only here because I like one, one guy. Elijah said, I'm only here because I like Jehoshaphat. That's it. That's the only reason that I'm here. 
Let me tell you something about desperate people. When you get in a desperate place, and this is going to feel like a lead balloon in here, okay? So just, just get ready. But you can't be offended when you're desperate. Oh, I came to preach on Sunday morning. This woman said, Jesus, she came out of the coast of Caesarea and she said, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. And Jesus said, sorry, I've been sent but to the lost sheep of Israel. In other words, you ain't from here. I don't owe you anything. I'm here because I'm here for the Jewish people. He said, as a matter of fact, you're, there ain't room at this table for dogs. Anybody here like counsel with pastor like that? How would you like that? Come in my office, sit down, pastor. I got a problem. Well, you're a dog. Get out of here. I said, you can't offend desperate people. And this woman said, oh, true, master. But even the dogs <laughs> eat the crumbs that fall. Oh, I, I, I'm telling you, I feel like preaching, right? I really, I feel something coming on me right now. Can, can I tell you there's something about desperate people that understand everything that's in the loaf is in the crumb? God, if I can't have the whole loaf, if I can't have it my way, what was she saying? A little bit of God in this is better than no God in this. I'll take the crumbs if I got to take the crumbs. You can't offend people that are full of faith. You can't offend a spirit that believes God can. If somebody's got a word, it doesn't matter what the doctor says. That report don't offend them. It don't. It don't matter what the lawyer says. You can't offend them. If they've got a word, they believe it. So again, I'm, get, I'm, I'm getting in the, I'm getting in the, not the King James Version, the St. Saint, Saint Clair Version. Jesus said, I, I haven't been sent to the dogs and she said, yeah, but the dogs get the crumbs. And the Bible said that from that moment. Now, there's something very interesting about this, about this story. That, again, you can't offend people if they're hungry enough. The scripture said that when Jesus did not answer her and she was frustrated and she thought, I should have had an answer a long time ago. The scripture said that she literally bowed down at his feet and worshipped him. She, she, she did not go to the Sanhedrin and say, Jesus ignored me. And I'm frustrated. She got down at the feet of Jesus. When at present the answer was no. Man, I could preach all day on that. Because sometimes Jesus isn't telling us no because he can't do it. Sometimes Jesus is telling us no to see how bad we want it. And her response was not, I'm offended. Her response was, you're still worthy. Her response was, even if I leave here and my daughter is still sick and vexed, oh my God, you are still worthy. You, oh. The honor and the worship that is due unto you is not because of what you've done. If we could ever get that in our spirit. She said, I'm not worshiping you for what you've done. I recognize who you are and I worship you. <laughs> Woo! He looked at her and he said, I don't think I've seen faith like this anywhere in Israel. 
He should have probably been looking at her and saying, man, you get offended easy. But she wasn't going to be offended. Because she was hungry. And she was desperate. And he was worthy. And that's a perfect formula for somebody that's going to hang around until the breakthrough comes. I'm looking for somebody that's got the tenacity in your spirit this morning and the resilience in your spirit this morning to say, I don't care if I leave here without an answer. I'm going to bless him until he answers. I'm going to bless him not because of what he's done, but because he's worthy. Now, follow me, because for those of you that think that's limited to one story, I'm fixing to marry these two things. You with me? Everybody with me? Anybody tired, ready to go to lunch yet? Good, because I'm almost through with my introduction, so stay with me. He said, in verse 14, he said, just being honest with you, if it wasn't for Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't be here at all. I wouldn't be here at all. Verse 15. He said, but now, go get me a minstrel. And it came to pass that when the minstrel played, that the hand of the Lord came on him. This is going to mess with some of you. But Elijah said, I'm not even in the mood for a move of God right now. So I'm going to need somebody to come up in here and play some music. Now, folks, you may, not, you, you, you may not really understand the supernatural power that lies behind what I'm telling you. But there is something so powerful that begins to transpire when we gather in a place like this and we open up our mouths and we start singing. I, I, I'm not here to chastise or chasten, or, but listen. Me and Sister TJ were talking about this this week. We're at a place in Pentecost right now. In my opinion, it's dangerous with worship because people like, they like entertainment factor. And, and a lot of you don't sing like you used to. We see a lot of this. And we get better lights, better sound, better instruments, and the focus is on make it better. Make it, sing a different song. Sing something I like a little better. Elijah said, go get me somebody that knows how to do this. And when she came in and she started playing, it said that when she played, that the hand of the Lord went. Now, I wasn't there, but you know how my brain works. I don't believe that when she started playing, Elijah went. Hurry up, pastor's coming in just a minute. Hurry. I came for preaching. Hurry up. No, I'm going to tell you what I believe. Just me. I can't prove it. I wasn't there. But I do, I do know how God works. I believe when she started praying that Elijah started rocking back and forth a little bit. When she started playing, I believe Elijah may have closed his eyes and quit looking at all those people he didn't like. Because he wasn't looking for their approval. He was looking for the hand of God. Man, I'm preaching this morning. I just have to wonder if Elijah wasn't standing there. And as she began to play, something started moving. And I can tell you this much. There was no wonder or question when the hand of God rested on him. Because when God rests on you and the Spirit of the Lord touches you. And that's why I love this church. And that's why I love being apostolic. Because we don't stop people when they start feeling when they start feeling something, hey, I'm not here to quiet somebody down. I'm not here to tell you we don't work. I'm here to tell you when God gets on you, you can't help but worship. You can't help but move. Can I tell you this morning, you can write it down next to Acts 2.38. I will never be part of a dead church. I'll never be part of a quiet church. I'll never be part of a church that stops dancing and stops shouting and stops singing. I'm glad to be in an all-running church. If you got leather soles on today, I wouldn't recommend it. 
but we've done everything we can to remediate the dust. So if you don't mind, just kind of keep your dance to a one little spot there because I don't need nothing else on our insurance right now. I mean, if you really get the feeling that this God's really on, you take your shoes off and dance barefoot. Come on. Uh, he said, I'll tell you what I need. If we're going to get a word from heaven in here, I need to have some church. I need somebody to come in here and play me something. And he didn't tell her what to play. He just said, get somebody that knows how. Get somebody that knows how to play. And she started playing, and the scripture said... That the hand of the Lord was upon him. Now this is the part of the story where you sit up in your seat and you're like, Woo, God is about to do it. And, 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 and you lean forward and you start leaning into the story and you're like, yeah, thank God. The prophet's got it on him. He's fixing to do something powerful. And he's fixing to tell us what, what, what the devil's going to do. And he's going to get a black eye. And he's running through all this stuff. And the hand of the Lord came on him. In verse number 16 where we started today, this is not what you're expecting. Elijah sitting there trembling with the Spirit of God on him. And they, they, he, he leans up like he's about to say something. So everybody in the room leans up and they're like, oh, what, 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 what's God about to say? We've waited for this moment and we've waited for the word. And Elijah clears his throat and goes, thus saith the Lord, dig this valley full of ditches. Uh. I think I got some dust in my ears. What did he say? He said, dig this valley full of ditches. No, but I, I shouldn't have to do that, see, because I, I shouldn't have to do that because we put forth the effort to get a word here. Yeah, but the word is you're not finished working. Yeah, but I thought God was just going to descend on this thing, show up, and everything was going to be all right. And God said through the prophet, start digging. Boy, if I could preach this in short right here, I'm going to tell you what this is. This is somebody that's invested in their miracle. This is not somebody that's standing back saying, well, God said he's going to do it, so I'm just, I'm just going to wait. I mean, after all. I showed up every Sunday morning for six months. Easy. We don't want to scare God with, <laughs> with too much aggressive behavior. We showed up to church. I'm sure he's impressed. But what was going on through our mind when we got here and we looked at him and said, I don't even like them. And he's trying to move. We're like, I don't really like this song. And pastor gets up and preaches, and you're like, no, I like the one 14 weeks ago a lot better. I don't remember what it was. but <laughs> A pastor friend of mine called the other day, and he's like, bro, this guy just came through, and he preached this sermon. He said it was unbelievable. And he started telling me what he preached. Brother Gray, he sucked me right in through the phone. He was, man, it was so incredible. He, he, and he's, he kind of leans into it. What's up, buddy? He leans into it, <laughs> and he starts trying to tell me what the preacher preached. And he's like, it was like, it, it, it was like, uh. And he paused, and I go, hello? He goes, I honestly don't remember exactly how he said it, but it was powerful. I said, my, I, think, I, th I think you're one of my church people, because <laughs> pastor preached last Sunday. Oh, man, yeah, he did. What did he say? I, I don't know. I felt good. What do you do when a word comes to you and you're expecting something powerful? And the Lord goes, go get a shovel. Excuse me. <laughs> Lord, I'm not, I'm not trying to dig a ditch. I'm trying to see you put a smack down on the Moabites. That's... But what you don't understand is in the work of God, it's the simple obedience that starts the process of defeating your enemy. We like those stories where we sling stones and hit giants and they fall. But you have to understand that not every time is God going to put a faith bazooka in your hand. 
Sometimes God's going to put a, a word in your spirit that you're going to wonder what in the world is God thinking. Start digging. Digging? Why would I dig? I'm as low as I could go. Why would I dig? The word of the Lord said, dig. And I'm not talking about a ditch. He said, dig this valley full of it. In other words, the longer you stand here wondering how God's going to do it, the longer it's going to take you to get it full of ditches. So let's get started. And the Bible said that they started digging. Now you follow me right here. Don't let me lose you on this right here. They were digging without understanding. That might be the best preaching you'll hear all day. I said they were digging without understanding. Again, I wasn't there, but if I would have been, I can tell you what the conversation would have sounded like from my ditch. This is the dumbest thing that I've ever heard in my life. The enemy's trying to kill me, and God's got me digging in a ditch. But what you don't know is that your lack of understanding in digging is moving the heart of God. Because God sees that even when you don't understand, but you obey. Even when you don't understand, but you obey. Can I preach that again? Even when you don't understand, but you obey. The more ditches you dig, the more powerful the testimony is going to be at sunrise. The scripture said that when the water filled the ditches and the sun came up, they thought it was blood. What you didn't know is your lack of understanding, but your fullness of obedience was setting the enemy up to look like the massacre had been greater. And so you're telling your own story, but you don't know it. You're fixing to tell the enemy because you obeyed that you've already been destroyed. But there's something going on because God is up to something. God don't have you digging because he likes to be your boss. And God don't have you digging because he wants to tell you what to do but God's got you digging because he's setting you up for the greatest miracle you've ever seen in your life God I don't know why I'm doing this but I trust you I trust your word if your word said dig then I'm going to dig if your word said climb then I'm going to climb Oftentimes, our vision of the miraculous can be obfuscated by our vision of present circumstance. Because when God don't make sense, this is just, this is my experience. When God don't make sense, that's when he's doing the biggest work. And there's always that moment when you're going through it. That you start having conversations like, I don't think I could put my shovel in one more time. See, now I just brought you from up here. Now, now, now I'm going to get down here where you're living. I just don't understand why when I'm hurting, the only word God would give me was just keep trying. How long do I have to try? How long do I have to dig? I mean, God, when I prayed for an answer, this was not what I expected. Here I am hurting and broken. Believed you for a word and sent for a prophet. And when the prophet comes, the only thing you can say to me is just get busy and keep digging. Just keep digging. Keep digging. I don't know. God, I, I don't know if I can do this one more day. Come on, you, you, you feel that little hush move across this crowd? God, I just don't think I've got what it takes. But church family, I came on this Sunday morning. I had the worst night you could imagine last night. Just tossed and turned. I told my wife this morning, I said, I feel sick. I tossed all night because somebody's here today. Somebody's weary in this house today. Of digging. This feels so stupid. Nothing is happening. Yes, it is. Because where you just came from, God's about to fill it up with a miracle. 
I don't, I don't understand. I'm going to tell you this is what I know, and I'm going to prophesy to somebody in this room this morning. I've been in places before where I've told God, I don't think I'm going to make it. Just being honest. Elder, I've been, I've been there where I said, God, if you, if you, don't, if you don't show up now, I'm going to lose it. But when he brought me through that, and I look back on it, I realized the character that God was forming in me was the ability to push through one more time. When I didn't feel like I had one shovel left, I didn't, I didn't, have, I didn't have the strength to do it one more time. But there was something that got in me that said, preach one more Sunday. Get up one more day and go down to the church and go pray one more time. I know you don't think God's watching, but take one more Wednesday and push away from the table. I don't feel like it's doing anything, Pastor. I, I, I don't. I mean, I've been fasting and I've been praying. Oh, but you don't understand. Pastor, the sun's going down. The sun's setting in my life. The sun... Sun's about to go down. It's almost dark, and I'm still over here digging. That's all right, baby. You just dig till dark. Because when the sun comes up, I want to reach for somebody today and tell you just keep digging while it's day. Because when the sun sets, the miracle's coming to your valley. You're not going to see God do it because you're going to be weary and you're going to lay your head down. But if you've dug the ditch, God will fill the ditch. And God knows when to make the sun rise and at what time to make the Moabites stand on top. God is up to something and his timing is always perfect. I want to tell somebody this morning, you are going to make it. Put the shovel in the ground one more time. I know you feel like the sun's setting and you're running out of time. But keep on digging because God is still working and God is up to something. I close this morning quickly. I got in the Word. I went to Acts, the 16th chapter. And I was trying to find some things that made sense to me. But I got in Acts, the 16th chapter. And the Scripture said, in Acts 16 and 23, when they laid many stripes on them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safe. Did somebody say the jailer? <laughs> This is the guy that was sent to restrain them and keep them. This is Paul and Silas in the jail. Watch this now. Who having received such a charge. The, who is the jailer? The jailer received such a charge to thrust them into the inner prison. And he made their feet fast and stopped. He bound them. And at midnight. Watch this. It's like I can't get a minstrel in here. Are you following me? No minstrel can get to you. Okay. Well, then I think what I'm going to do then is since I don't have everybody here to have church, I'm just going to have church. And at midnight, two of them that were still locked in chains started rocking back and forth and humming a song. I don't know what it was. I didn't write anything, but I can tell you it's probably in a minor. They started in. Thou, O oh Lord, art a shield for me. Glory in the lifter of my head. Even though a host should rise against me, in this will I be confident. And people that are sitting in the jail are looking like, it's time for bed. And these two morons are sitting here locked up. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down and grit. They're losing it. They're losing it. They're on this old rotten, dirty floor. And they're talking about green pastures and stuff. Yep, they're there. They're about to die. They're, I mean, they're, they've lost their, their mind. Until you got to the place that somebody looks at you and thinks you're crazy. Because you keep on praising him when it, when it don't make sense. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. And the jailer sitting outside their door going, <laughs> 
what in the world is wrong with these people? And all of a sudden, he hears this sound, like the clanking of a chain. <laughs> he looks in there, and they're just rocking back and forth. He's like, maybe I'm just hearing things. And they're singing, thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. And all of a sudden, the ground starts shaking. He's looking around and saying, what in the world's going on? My job is to keep them locked up. But now the earthquake has him distracted. And the Bible said, they're singing. The earth starts shaking. And their chains fall off. And the man looks up. And he realizes that the doors he had closed are now open. And the chains that he locked are now loosed. Because when God's ready to set somebody free... When God's ready to do the work, the Bible said that everyone in the room, their bands were loose, their chains were loose. God, I don't know why you've got me here. I don't like this prison that I'm in, but I want to tell you there's a jailer in here. And when the jailer sees, the jailer knows how tight that was. And the jailer knows how locked the door was. And when he sees it, he's going to know it was God. And he walked into those two men and he said, what do I got to do to be saved? Paul and Silas, you may have thought the stripes were for you, but God sent you there to baptize a jailer and to baptize his house. God is up to something. Some music come help me this morning. God, God is up to something. My father-in-law used to say it to me all the time. He'd leave it on messages on my phone. He'd call me when he'd see me. If you knew my father-in-law, he was something else. He had that really deep baritone, doesn't even really describe it. It was, it was, hey, buddy. He'd call me, Brother Hensel, and I'd answer the phone, and he'd say, when you're down to nothing, God is up to something. Yeah, I hear you, I hear you. We'd laugh, and we'd get together. We start sharing sermon thoughts. Brother Stephen, he'd look at him, he'd say, Buddy, when you're down to nothing, God is up to something. I'm going to tell you what. You may not know how, and you may not know when. Woo! Well, I feel some help up in here this morning. But I'm telling you that God is able this morning. Hey, God is up to something this morning. You may be trying to figure out how God's going to make all the confusion pass, but God's about to do it. You may have a family member that's sick in their body, and you don't know how God can heal it. But let me tell you, God is up to something. If you're in need of a miracle in your body today or in your family, if you have a family member that's, that's sick, if you need a miracle in your family or you have a connection with somebody that you know needs, that you could stand in, in, in prayer for them today, I want you to come right now. I feel this strongly this morning that God is up to something. I felt this all, all through the night. I just, something is happening. The, the, the chaos and all that, you know, I don't feel bad about all this stuff. It's just it's part of the process. It's going to be pretty in a few days. It's no big deal. But, but I've had people call and say, man, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. We're praying for you guys. I'm like, Thanks for the prayer, but God's, it's okay. It's God's church. Man, I just don't, what are you guys going to do? I said, we're going to have church. Well, what if you have to get another building? I, oh, no. You guys do realize, like, we've made it through the toughest part of this little storm right here. We've already had to meet in, in, in different places. Like, we're past that. Anybody here all right with the dust this morning, if we can just be together? carpet contractor walked in yesterday we are standing in the back talking he said yeah man I know it feels like a little chaos Brother Wheeler he said God's just going to bless this church with a beautiful upgrade God's <laughs> he said God's about to bless this church with a beautiful remodel this man's a Brother Biddle he's an apostolic pastor 
he said, you know what? He said, I'm going to take just a little bit above the cost. He gave us a very small percentage. He said, I'm going to give this church the carpet that you need. We're going to get whatever you need. He said, we're going to do it for 5% above cost. Well, pastors, the insurance going to cut. I don't know, but it ain't my church. God's got it. I said, God's got it. So this is a perfect day for me to preach this because some of you are standing in the middle of a miracle that's not quite finished. We're here, but it don't, it don't feel done. And that's where you're at today. God, I'm here, but I just don't feel like you're finished yet. I, you've worked a little bit, but you're not quite done. Well, that's when he does his best work. And so this morning, without any big ado, without any big major deal, I'm just telling you, God's up to something. And if you need something in your life, in your body, in your mind, without worrying about what anybody says or does right now, I just want you to raise your hands and say, God, I trust you. You can get behind doors that I can't get to. God, your word can go places that I can't reach. I'm not worried at all today. If you want me digging, I'll dig. But you're up to something. If you want me climbing, I'll climb. Come on. Let those tears flow right now. I love this because I'm not, I'm not just pulling on emotions and preaching and screaming. The music's not. This is a God moment right here. Woo! There is healing in this room for bodies. There's healing in this room for your mind. There's healing in this room for your family. I speak Jesus over cancer this morning. I speak Jesus over cancer this morning. I speak Jesus over diabetes this morning. I speak Jesus over your body this morning. I speak Jesus over your mind. I speak Jesus over your emotions. God, he's up to something. If you're full of faith right now and you know somebody close to you is struggling, I just want you to reach over and put your hand on their shoulder. Amen. If it's appropriate, if it's a brother to a brother or a sister to a sister, I just want you to reach over and encourage somebody and begin to pray the prayer of faith for them and say, God is up to something.